Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570-KVI. All right, Seattle. Hey, Peter Sound. Welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and the Commodore of cocktails. Hey, hope you're having a great Saturday night. Hopefully you are uh, healthy and uh, learning what the outside feels like, uh, social distancing and wearing that mask and um, <laughs> signing your name wherever you go. Oh, boy, I've got, a, I've got a little bit of problem with some of the stuff our government's doing with uh, you got to sign up and tell where everyone's going. Uh, that doesn't seem right, but, uh, of course, we've seen how that works in the past, and hopefully we can figure out a way to get all these restaurants and bars back up and to, you know, really enjoy and relish the life we have here in the Pacific Northwest. Summer's coming. It'll be beautiful outdoors, and we want to really uh, um, take advantage of our, our 90 days of sunshine <laughs> these days, although we've had a good, uh, a good run lately. But uh, I'm happy you're here. Thanks for joining me on uh, KVI. And if you ever miss a show, remember we have a website. It's uh, happyhourradio.net, or you can check us out on Facebook. And I've been enjoying a bunch of cocktail making. Uh, I've been doing some infusions. Uh, I've been trying some new... Uh, uh, new recipes on cocktails, and, and then I always go back to um, my favorite wines. And, of course, uh, I, I love sparkling, I love white, I love pink, and I love red. And one of my favorite places in the world is, of course, Bordeaux. Uh, I was in Bordeaux last May, actually um, just a few weeks ago at Vin Expo uh, in Bordeaux. One of the most amazing experiences, beautiful weather, so warm, and, uh, of course, uh, the French life is a good life. And I'm pleased to uh, to share with you um, one of the wonderful chateaux I've had a chance to a pleasure to meet and actually uh, the commercial the commercial director is um, American and she actually has some relatives here in the Pacific Northwest uh, Dana Paulin um, she is uh, with Obai Chateau Obai down in the Grouse region hey welcome to Happy Hour Radio thank you so much for having me on the show Christopher I'm <laughs> there we go le chien c'est long chien that's right so hey folks we are actually talking live with uh, um, Dana in uh, Bordeaux so Dana where are you right now uh, I'm uh, in uh, Beg, which is just uh, very, very close to both the city of Bordeaux and Chateau Aubay. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's, t- let's talk about you. Um, tell me how you ended up <laughs> in that little town uh, and your journey in wine. Yeah, it's it's kind of a strange, uh, crazy story. But to, to make a long story short, I was uh, born and raised in Arizona and did my studies in California in Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara, and fell in love with wine there and did a study abroad in France and fell in love with France and was able to put the two things together when I did a, a master's in international wine trade in Dijon and was able to work all over the world in the wine trade and have now been with Obayi uh, in Bordeaux as a commercial manager for almost eight years now. Wow. All right. So uh, Santa Barbara, I was just there recently last year, actually my first time. What a wonderful place. I I couldn't believe there were actually uh, oil wells on the coast there. That surprised me. Yeah, we used to kind of joke with freshmen. We call them offshore casinos to, to see if they'd go out there. So <laughs> they've been there for a while. Wow! So you had you had a chance to study abroad, and uh, you fell in love with the wine. And uh, how were the Frenchmen? Did you fall in love with the Frenchmen too? 
I uh, I have a French husband uh, and now a French daughter, so <laughs> they uh, they caught me. <laughs> oh well, I, I know the attraction is strong for me as well, and uh, of course I love that uh, city of Bordeaux. So vibrant, so young, so youthful, and of course it's great when the sun Beautiful shines. City, yes. Let's talk about mm-hmm. the region of Graves and the history of Chateau Aubaye. Yeah, well, it's it's an incredible history. Um, for those people that don't know, Grave is actually one of the oldest regions in Bordeaux. Um, it's at the gateway to Bordeaux itself, and Aubaye is about 20 miles south of the city. Um, and the history of, of Aubaye is quite long, actually. We've had vines planted at our property from the 13th or 14th century, and Aubaye itself really began in 1630 when a gentleman named Fermin Labaye purchased uh, the property and put together 33 hectares of land, um, and it's been in existence ever since. So he was a banker, originally based in Paris, and it's an interesting parallel because we actually belong to a banking family today, but it's an American banking family. And Robert Wilmers, who was the director of M&T Bank, purchased Obaye with his French wife in 1998. Uh, he purchased it from the Sanders family and have been doing incredible things uh, for the last 20 years. Wow. Okay, so first of all, um, Furman Bailly was the banker, and was his nickname Ferment by chance? <laughs> <laughs> You could start something there, Chris. I'm I think. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. And uh, the Sanders family, that's not Colonel Sanders, right? It's not Colonel Sanders, but uh, you may have had the pleasure of meeting Veronica Sanders, who is our general director uh, and is the fourth generation of the Sanders family. So we have this really exceptional situation of having uh, the past owners also now still involved uh, in the property. So she's really brought all the savoir faire and knowledge from the past and found the balance with the new owners who brought a lot of investment uh, and a lot of change to the property. So and over the last 20 years, there's been uh, an incredible upward rise of the property. That's very exciting. And uh, I sometimes think I should have been in banking. <laughs> it seems like a, a very <laughs> prosperous lifestyle. Um, anyway, tell me about some of the neighbors there. Well, um, we've got a lot of incredible neighbors. Um, some that people may know, you have Chateau Carbonneau, um, which is just down the street. You have Domaine de Chevalier, Smith-Solafite, Malatique Gravière. Wow. Just next to us is La Louvière. So um, the whole area is is full of chateaus, and that's just the, the Léonion part of Pessac Léonion. Then you also have um, famous chateaus in Pessac, such as Aubryon, uh, that I think a couple of your listeners might have heard of before. <laughs> of course. Uh, and, and one of the, uh, the the five premier crew, Grand crews there in Bordeaux. Um, let's talk about the actual terroir. Um, when I think of Graves, obviously I think of gravel, and this is in a part of yeah. the old riverbed of the Garonne and the, perhaps the meeting of the Dordogne. Um, um, how long ago did that river move away? I mean, you said vineyards were planted in the 1300s, so this must be a very, very ancient riverbed. Uh, it's very, very, very old, and a lot of those gravels actually come off of the Pyrenees um, and were brought down with glaciers. Um, so it's uh, it's a very, very old region. At one point, our entire area was covered by the ocean, uh, and so in our vineyards, you'll actually find fossils sometimes uh, in the in the soils. And if you have the opportunity, Chris, to come and visit Obaye, we have this beautiful old wall 
where you actually see some of the fossils uh, in the stone itself. Wow. Okay. Well, um, as soon as I, I've got a lot of frequent flyer miles <laughs> and I love traveling international. <laughs> we'll love to have you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> so um, having an old riverbed or, or an old glacial, uh, um, what are the, what's the word for that? It's, it's glacial till, it's, gla- it's a moraine or? Glacial sediment. Glacial I sediment. you could call it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, so the, the grav is really what, um, you know, characterizes our region and it's really important because it gives us really good drainage in the soil, um, which allows us to have uh, really deep rootstock. So as a result, if you have a lot of rain, you have really good drainage um, and the, the roots go really, really deep. So if you have a really dry season, um, the roots are really resistant. So something that's really unusual um, in Europe compared to the United States is we're not allowed to have irrigation. So right. we really have to do, deal with what Mother Nature gives us. And as weather has been more and more extreme, um, having that incredible terroir and those gravel has been really important. Absolutely. Uh, of course, that's what makes every site so, so unique and so specific. Are there different little, are there micro changes there in that area? Do you have different uh, deposits of perhaps limestone or sedimentary soils from the, the old ocean? And are there other veins that may have come in? And, or is your particular terroir pretty consistent? No, it does. It does depend um, on the property itself. So we actually have 30 hectares of vines planted in one single block. Um, but within that, you have a mosaic of different kinds of soil. Um, and certain parts actually have a little bit more clay. And that's where we tend to find the Merlot that's planted. Sure. Cab don't like white, uh, wet feet. Uh, perfect segue. <laughs> Let's talk about the, uh, the, the cepage of uh, the, the wines in the cepage that uh, Chateau Obaï produces. Of course. So being left bank, uh, we are Cabernet Sauvignon dominated. So we have a large majority of Cabernet Sauvignon. But we also have Merlot as well, some Cabernet Franc, a bit of Petit Verdot. And something that's really unusual, Obaye, is we have a parcel of old vines. They're actually um, over 100 years old. And in that parcel of old vines, you have all six different varietals of Bordeaux that are co-planted side by side. So, of course, you have the Cabernet Sauvignon, the Merlot, the Cabernet Franc, but you also have Petit Verdot and Malbec as well. So it's an interesting blend of all six different varietals co-planted side by side, um, and it's really something to be seen. And and then Cot, right? You have Cot growing. And Carmenere, exactly. That is the six, exactly. Fantastic. Um, Well, that's really exciting. So has there been a historic uh, cuvee prestige from that particular site, or is that um, the benchmark, or is that blended in just to sort of uh, help polish some wines? It's, a, it's an interesting question. It's actually one that we get quite often, because I think um, often in the States you have sort of these prestigious cuvees of, of old vines. And so when our American owners purchased the property, that was a question that we asked. And so what we did um, in 1998, which was their first harvest, we took um, a barrel of just the old vines. We did a barrel of the blend without the old vines. And then we did a, a third blend, which is a classic blend with the old vines and other parcels. And we taste it every single year. And we actually find that the blend of the old and the younger vines is actually um, ideal. So it's sort of like when you're cooking and you're making an incredible sauce, if you've got a really powerful 
ingredient, you know, you, you want to have just a touch of that and it really makes the, the balance. So historically, it's always been part of the blend um, and it always goes into the grand vin. So you'll find that blend of those, you know, six different varietals in the, the wines of Obaï, the grand vin. Well, how exciting. It's funny that everything seems to be sort of uh, uh, Goldilocks and the three bears, right? <laughs> one is one is too much, one is too less, and then you blend them both exactly. and it's uh, going to be great. Oh, fun. It's, Speaking- it's all about finding the balance. That's absolutely right. When we think about the best wines, we think about balance, elegance, uh, texture, finesse, uh, character, fruit, uh, finish, and complexity. Speaking with uh, Dana Paulin, who is the director commercial of uh, Chateau Aubaye, which is located in Pesac Leon and the Graves region. Um, this is a sub-region of Graves. And, uh, of course, their winery, the Chateau, is, was planted in, well, uh, officially named in 1630. Is that correct? From Ferment, our old buddy Ferment Bailly? <laughs> From the Bayi, exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, I understand, uh, doing a little research, that the mate, the patriarch of the Sanders family recently passed. Is that correct? So Robert Wilmers, uh, who purchased the property in 1998, did pass at the end of 2017. So it was um, very much a loss for us. We were very, very sad um, to lose him. But he really lived his life up until the last minute. Um, he actually received the Legion of Honor from the French government, which really? is the highest uh, award you can receive just a few months before he passed. So he really lived life to the fullest. And now we have the second generation who has always been involved in the property, but even more so. So his son, Chris Wilmers, who is actually American as well, um, and is a professor at UC um, Santa Cruz in California, has really been taking... Um, uh, a leading role in the property, and that's been really exciting to see that second generation really coming uh, onto the forefront. That's exciting. It's great to uh, to recognize uh, our forefathers and the, our leadership and our the people in the family that we love and, and, and uh, admire. Uh, but it's also um, a great uh, um, a show of respect to carry on that tradition in a fine fashion and, and to elevate the story and the history. Uh, it's pretty exciting to have a family in the wine business. Of course, my family has a little 14-acre uh, vineyard in a town called Walla Walla, Washington. So we have a little chateau <laughs> and a vineyard. So when you want to come out here and visit, hey, we can do quid pro quo. That's the kind of quid pro quo that we like here in the States. Excellent. Excellent. Hey. I'll keep that in mind. I'd love to come and see you. Right on. Okay, folks. Hey, we're going to take a quick little break, and I'm going to ready up some of these wines. I've got actually one wine here, La Pard uh 2015. Uh, this is what we call the Duzium crew of uh, a fine chateau. And that chateau was Chateau Obaye with general uh, commercial manager Dana Poulin. Uh, and we'll be right back here on Happy Hour Radio. America first and holding the powerful accountable. Sean Hannity, weekdays 6 to 9 p.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for round two. And I've got, uh, well, two people in the studio. One is all the way in Pesec Leonion, the Graves region of Bordeaux in the country of France. And, of course, I'm here at the Palatial Studios on 4th Avenue in downtown Seattle. Uh, her name is Dana Pollen. Of course, I'm trying to make it French of Paulin, but it's actually, she's American, so it's Pollen. 
And Dana, you are the commercial manager for Chateau Obaye. Let's talk about the, the first, uh, the Grand Van, the first wine of Chateau Obaye. Obaye. Yeah, so um, Chateau Obaye is it's a, a gorgeous wine. Uh, I think it's, it's known uh, by its followers for its elegance and balance. Um, it has a lot of concentration. We spoke earlier about the, the old vines. It gives a lot of concentration uh, to the wines, but they're really known for also having these really polished and round tannins. So it's also a very elegant and easy-to-drink wine. Fantastic. And let's talk about some of the recent vintages. Of course, there has been, um, if you get the wine magazines, Wine Spectator, we had, what, 2000, 2005, 2009, and 2010 were all vintages of the the century. Um, How has it been? What's uh, the new vintage like? This is 2020. Well, uh, 2020, we're hard at work at it. It's been uh, a unique vintage, as you can imagine, for a lot of different things. Um, but we're, we're very, very lucky because uh, luckily vineyard work is considered essential work. And so our vineyard <laughs> team has been out in the vineyard hard at work um, and have just been enjoying being out in nature. We've had incredible weather. Um, so hard at work at 2020 and uh, starting to taste uh, 2019 and to put that out there, which is also uh, an incredible vintage. So we've been very fortunate uh, in the last you know, 10, 20 years to have a lot of beautiful vintages. Fantastic. So you were actually, you said you've been there eight years, which means you started there in 2012, which was a cooler vintage, not quite as uh, more yeah. on the average side. Uh, and what? tell me about 2015, because I have La Pard Obaye in front of me. Well, it's, it's an incredible wine. When you told me that was the wine that you found, I was very, very excited. So um, our second wine, La Pard, is always um, very, very accessible, very enjoyable. It has a higher percentage of Merlot. This is a wine you can drink a bit earlier. Uh, and the 2015 overall is a vintage, which is very supple, very seductive. It was a, a vintage that we could taste and enjoy even early on. Um, and we have the second wine, which allows us to make uh, a selection for the Grand Vine and also to have a different style of wine. So um, if you have a second wine in a great vintage like 2015, it's going to be an exceptional wine at an ex- exceptional value. So um, I think, you know, I, I don't have a glass in front of me, unfortunately. You'll have to let me know what, you're, what you think on your end. But it's a wine that we're enjoying very much today. Well, fantastic. Uh, I love that. And uh, thanks to Scott Murphy, our friend at Unique uh, Distributing here in Seattle. Um, this wine, uh, well, first of all, I don't want to know the price, but I'm going to tell you, um, 2015, this wine was still tightly wound, but it's a, it's a ripe vintage. So uh, acid's medium plus, the tannin is just medium. And when I tasted it, I said, you know, this is Merlot dominant. And I said, I was I when you said 70% Cabernet Sauvignon at, at the estate, I was surprised because I always think uh, Grave is more 50-50 of uh, Merlot Cab, etc. But this particular wine, um, ripe, ripe fruit, nice berry flavor. Uh, aromas of, um, you have slight dried herbs, some fresh herbs, a little tarragon, and uh, of course we have uh, fresh and ripened, just slightly dried fruits. Um, just it's getting a little aged, but it's, again, this is a very youthful wine. I think 2015 is, is going to not only impress um, today, but have a, a great length, uh, a future ahead of it. I'd say another mm-hmm. 10 years at least. Um, but I like to drink yeah. my wines just a, a day early rather than a day late. <laughs> 
So fun. Tell me what well, the price is here. 2015. So that's great about the 2015 vintage. It has a lot of parallels to 2009 vintage in that it's a vintage we can really enjoy today, but will have a very, very long life ahead of it. Uh, the Lepard, you can drink a bit younger, so it's drinking well now, but you can keep it in your cellar for another 10 or 15 years. And the Grand Vin Chateau Aubaye is, you know, you can keep it for, for decades. Fantastic. Well, let's talk about pricing. Uh, is the, the Grand Van, I think, is what, 120 It depends on the vintage. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it can be uh, anywhere between, you know, 100 and 150 depending on the vintage. The uh, 2009 vintage received uh, the sought-after 100 points from Robert Parker. Wow. Uh, so it's probably on, on the higher end. Uh, 2015 is also a vintage that will be a little higher on the price point. That's why... Um, you know, for people that are looking um, for a deal, I always recommend to buy the second labels in the in the great vintages, and then in the vintages we don't call them bad vintages in Bordeaux; we call them difficult vintages or winemaker vintages. <laughs> That's really where you want to buy. Um, know your chateaus, and even in the in the difficult vintages, chateaus can come out with some beautiful wines. So. Right. Uh, that's a, a good way to find the best prices. Well, let's talk about that. I've always thought that a great vintage is the trickle-down effect, that it, that everyone benefits from the great vintages. And, of course, when difficult vintages, you want chateaus that are meticulous and thoughtful in their production. Um, let, give me a website or where people can find more information about Chateau Obaye. Well, of course, you know, the most comprehensive website would be our own, uh, chateauobaye.com, and you have all of the information on the history and the wines themselves. Um, And then we're lucky to work with a lot of different uh, websites around the country. One that's um, located not too far from you, wine.com, has a lot of information as well on Obaye. Fantastic. Now, let's talk about COVID. Let's talk about the coronavirus. Tell me what's going on there um, in relation to, you know, normal life. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, Chris. I mean, I think like everyone, it sort of snuck up on us. Um, but France, I have to say, had a really thorough approach. So on March 17th, um, we started a lockdown. It was um, an unusual St. Patrick's Day, I have to say. Um, and there was uh, an overall approach where most people were asked to stay at home. Um, if we went out, we had a, a paper that we had to, to fill out really only for essentials. Um, and then after that, it was really, really essential businesses that were open. And as I mentioned earlier, we were lucky enough that viticulture uh, was considered essential. And so we were able to have our vineyard workers out working the vines. Um, and it was very easy to respect, you know, the, the sanitary restrictions because each worker had its, had their parcel and was able to enjoy the sunshine and the fresh air. Um, we have had some changes recently. Uh, beginning this Monday, the, the lockdown ended, and so we've had gradual reopenings. So overall businesses are starting to open up again. Bars and restaurants, theater, all of that has remained closed. But uh, most businesses are opening up. Um, public transportation, they ask you to wear a mask. Um, And we're just going slow and steady. You know, I think we've um, had a lot of progress in the country, and we're just hoping to to maintain that. Fantastic. Well, um, best of luck with that. Of course, we're dealing with the exact same thing. It seems to be uh, a mirror image because we all want to to be healthy. At some point, we have to have the same high standards uh, of uh, sanitary and and safe concerns. Um, 
are the is the chateau open then for tastings? You know, we are just starting to open up uh, bit by bit. We have um, our negociants, as we call them, which are the wine merchants that sell our wine. Um, a lot of them were able to taste the 2019 before the shutdown, but we're welcoming them to come back and taste again. Um, and as far as tourists go, I think we're going to start to work on projects to welcome them um, in the, the best way that we can to ensure everyone's safety. Um, and I think we're just, you know, going slow and steady. But the idea is that this summer we will be open. We also have a second chateau, which I haven't mentioned, which is called Chateau Le Pop, where we have guests rooms. Uh, and so we're looking to open that up again this summer um, and to welcome guests in the in the best way possible. Is Chateau Le Pop? Le Pap? Le Pop. Pop, which is, I mean, the Pope. Okay, right. That's what I thought. Yeah, so like it's actually... Chateau Le Pop. All right, very good. You said Chateau Le Pop. I wait. So this is actually just uh, in the same vicinity in Pessac, or is this someplace else? Yes, it's just a few minutes' drive uh, from Chateau by itself. It's a property that we purchased in 2012, so it's also Pessac Lagnon. And the wines themselves are quite different. It's more a Merlot-based wine. Um, beautiful property. We spent three years renovating it, and so we have guest rooms there now. Um, so we welcome people there to stay at the guest room. And it's also very complimentary because at Chateau Bailly, we have what we call the private table, where we have a chef um, that cooks meals, private lunches and dinners. So if you want, you can stay at Chateau Le Pup, ride your bike over to Bailly, have a lovely lunch, and then go back to Le Pup, have a glass of wine, and enjoy yourself by the pool. <laughs> Okay, I'm in. That sounds fantastic. Wow, what a treat. Uh, Dana Pollen, um, commercial manager for Chateau Aubailly in the region of Pessac, Lyonnais, and Graves, and Bordeaux, and France. It's so great to reconnect with you. I'm glad that you're healthy. You sound like you're smiling, and I know that there's a time difference, so thanks for staying up on this Saturday night here uh, so we can chat. Of course, chat. of course. My pleasure. And wait, you have, um, so does Chateau Aubailly have a, a website? Can I go there and look at, at the amenities? Exactly. No. So you can go to obai.com and you'll have all of the information on our wines, uh, on our private uh, dining, as well as Chateau Le Pup and our guest houses there. Ah, oh, so fun. Well, so the, is... the, uh, email, the, the website itself is ohaut-bailly.com. Got it. Wow. Uh... Dana Pollen, hey, uh, best of uh, best wishes for a healthy uh, rest of the summer, and I look forward to seeing you again sometime soon. Thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. All right. Hey, folks, stick around. We're going to talk about uh, a bad granny <laughs> right here on 570 KVI. Start your day the right way. The Commute with Carlson, live and local, weekdays 6 to 9 a.m., Talk Radio 570 KVI. Now more KVI Want to Know Weekends. Back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for round three, and I've got three cans of Bad Granny Cider and one lovely vice president of sales and marketing, Vicki Danio, is here with uh, Bad Granny Hard Cider. Hey, Vicki, welcome to Happy Hour. Hey, Christopher, how are you? I'm fantastic. I always loved uh, partaking on a imbibing on a Saturday night. Uh, where <laughs> where are you right now? 
Uh, right now, I happen to be in Portland, Oregon. Oh, okay. And so you're 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 doing the vice president thing in sales and marketing, aren't you? I am. I'm traveling. Very good. And uh, tell me about Bad Granny. This is a standalone cidery, and where is it located? We are actually out of Lake Chelan, Washington. We're a family-owned cidery, so uh, we're about three years in. Now, was this a... Um, first of all, my, my best friend from college grew up in, in Lake Chelan. He's a Chelan goat, and uh, his, oh, yeah. his father was the general manager of a company called Trout Apples for many, many years. And so uh, was this, is this family part of the Apple business? Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, my brother-in-law, Brett Pitzinger, owns Van Doren Sales. And so they build all the lines that sort fruit in the valley. So I would imagine Brett has a long relationship with the Trap family. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, well, this is really cool. So uh, now they're in sort of a, um, I'll call it the mechanic side of it, right? You're a constructor, contractor kind of thing. You come in and you help, but but you're not really growing fruit or are you? No, we're not growing fruit. We actually, just from the relationships that Brett has developed, um, you know, in the area there, all through Yakima, Wenatchee, the entire valley, we get pretty much the first calls. So we're purchasing fruit from some of our partners and that's where we um, make our cider from. All right. <laughs> I love it. Well, um, having the first call is, is a, uh, a de- definitely a privilege. And let's talk about this bad granny. Was there a bad grandpa or did she kill him? <laughs> she pretty much killed him. No. Uh, <laughs> she's kind of badass. It kind of came out of, um, you know, we're five girls in my family and uh, we're about six years apart. My mom's our bad granny. She's our iconic matriarch. Um, but above and beyond that, you know, my sister's own wineries in the valley. And um, it's kind of a salute to badass women everywhere. So uh, that's kind of how Bad Granny was born. All right. So uh, the, uh, what do you call it? The picture, the image of Bad Granny now. <laughs> did she have some uh, creative license or did she have to approve this before you went to print? Because <laughs> Got it was all the- done behind her back. I don't know if she would have approved or not, but um, no, this is a uh, genesis from my youngest sister, Julie. Julie and Brett own the company, and uh, Julie came out with this out of her creative genius. Uh, she owns Karma Vineyards, and um, she just was thinking we were using bad gran- we were using Granny Smith apples when we first started, and so you know, badass Granny was born from just mulling it over, and then our family, and just came to fruition. <laughs> okay. Well, she's definitely quite the character. I could see this sort of becoming a one of those uh, Channel 13 Fox uh, Simpson kind of <laughs> shows or yeah, something, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah Oliver. She kind of has no fear, right? Oliver escapades. Yeah, go figure. That'd be pretty fun. All right, so I've already started sipping some of these ciders, and the first one I have... Um, is the Nice Pear. Tell me about this Bad Granny Hard Cider Nice Pear Semi-Dry. So this is, um, we launched this two years ago, and really our cider master is always looking to create something um, a little bit different. So this is a true Perry cider. It's 100% Danjou pears, um, very light, very crisp, so no apple in this cider whatsoever. Um, all of our ciders, you'll see, we really want to bring the fruit out. I think this one is 6.9 alcohol, so it's, you know, granny packs a punch. 
Um, just when we get those pairs, we press them, um, filter them, you know, um, and um, this one, I, I think the very first year we came out, it was just really subtle. This year, it's really interesting because the pear has a little bit more gold to it. So whatever the fruit delivers, that's what we get. And um, you'll see, I don't know if you really taste that pear in it. And the funny thing about this Danjou pear, it really tastes a lot like honey crisp apple. So interesting. Well, first of all, this is 5.5% alcohol. The um, ginger lime is 68 which I'm excited about. Uh, yeah. This this is very flavorful. And I think it's funny because the yeah the pear. I know I sent you the can. The pear on draft is six point nine. That's oh. Where I get that from. Well, darn <laughs> it! I can't wait for bars to open. <laughs> it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, yummy, and obviously the color comes from skin contact, right? In the Danju pears. Um, I thought they were brown though. Danju, wait, no, those are the green ones. The green yellow those ones, are the right? Green ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. So Got, just like um, uh, white wine, you would get a little color from the skin. A little bit of color from the skin. They don't let it sit on the skin at all. No, so it's really press. pressing out the juice. Exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> right. is there a specific exactly. yeast to use for Perry versus apple cider, hard cider? No, we're we're actually using the same um, champagne yeast oh, champagne. that we use in all of our cider. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, my sister's winery, Karma Vineyards, is a, a champagne house. So it's true method champenoise. Maison and de Champagne. A, oui, oui. Um, but she had a, cultivated a yeast strain 14, 15 years ago when she opened the winery. So we use the same yeast in our cider as she does in her wines. Very cool. Makes sense. I love it. And that's the one that's going to be a bit dominant. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm enjoying this um, uh, pure to the cure. Huh? What? Oh, pure to the core. <laughs> Pure to the cure. Right. Hey, that could be something when you get a benefit for Alzheimer's. Hey, right now, yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. All right, I'm pouring uh, ginger lime now. Tell me about this one. Mm. So ginger lime is 100% um, uh, honey crisp apples, and then we add ginger and lime after fermentation. So you'll see the nose comes out really nice. Extremely well balanced. You know, some ginger on the on the end is hot. This one is just very subtle, very very subtle. But I um, I've made a Moscow Mule out of this before, and it is absolutely fabulous. Um, We had it on draft last year. We couldn't keep it on draft, so we put it in a can this year. Literally launched it this spring, so it's it's been in a can just a couple of months. Fantastic. I can see this. I can see enjoying that um, because it's got less sugar than that ginger beer because ginger beer is packed with sugar. It's more than a Coca-Cola. It's nuts. Now, and the ginger here is definitely on the on the nose. Uh, you get a, a sense of lime on the nose, um, and I think the acidity here has been brightened up by this. So, are you using lime juice? Because the acid is that from the Honey Crisp? The acid is from the Honey Crisp. Right on. Absolutely. So the lime is like an essence of lime. It is. Oh wow, yeah. Uh, yeah. super yummy, um, very refreshing, and I can tell that it's got just a little bit of kick there. I almost want to add a little jalapeno just for a little more complexity, but um, absolutely delicious. Uh, well done. I, you know, being a, a wine snob, <laughs> I don't know that I would have picked it, but I'm glad I did because I can trust it, and that's why we taste, and that's why we have you. All right, last one is Rainier Cherry. So, oh my gosh. Um, this one has been 
our number one draft item. We're the only cidery in the Northwest doing a true Rainier cherry cider. So fresh Rainier cherry juice is pressed into fresh honey crisp apple juice combination, you know, uh, filtered, and uh, that's what you get. So this one, 100% pure to the core, just just juice from great fruit from the Northwest here. Everything is, all those cherries are from the state of Washington. Uh, so this one has been a huge hit for us. It's it's really delicious. It's very nuanced for that Rainier cherry because people, it's hard to, how do you describe a Rainier cherry? We can all describe a Bing cherry. We use that a lot, but um, oh, well done. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's talk about a website and some of the places that we can find Bad Granny. Yeah, so Bad Granny, you'll find it at a, a many local retailers. Um, you know, we're at Total Wine, we're at Safeway, we're at uh, some of the Fred Meyers. Um, grocery outlet. We just got into Winco. So um, getting into retail with a lot of these items. Um, you'll see we just launched um, two of those items. Well, actually, you had the pear ginger lime, and then our base cider honey crisp and black kern are going to be in our new mother load, which is a six pack of, um, you know, three different styles, which is really fun for the person that's just getting oh, cool. into cider yeah. and wants to try a little bit of each. Yeah. Um, so the website, you know, uh, website is badgrannycider.com. <laughs> That's too funny. Oh, bad granny. Well, <laughs> and, Vicky... you can, and you can get us online now. So we're finally online. You can buy us online. So uh, that just went up recently. Awesome. Well, perfect timing. Uh, I enjoyed the ciders. If I didn't, I wouldn't talk about them, but I really did. And Vicki Daniel, uh, Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Bad Granny Cider. Hey, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thanks, Christopher. All right. Hey, folks, stick around. I've got some comments about James Beard Award-winning restaurants, bars, and more right here on Happy Hour Radio. Tune it in and turn it up. Cruise home with Kirby. The Kirby Wilbur Show, live and local. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Sommelier, Christopher Chan. Hey, Seattle. Welcome back. Time for our fourth and final segment. Just a couple thoughts about the world we live in. Of course, it says Seattle Sommelier and Recently, sommeliers have been out of business, and uh, you may remember I had uh, Jackson Rohrbaugh, master sommelier here in Seattle, who started a company called Crunchy Red Fruit. He's been very gracious and generous in uh, providing uh, or donating the proceeds from certain purchases to uh, the United Sommeliers Foundation. And this is uh, uh, basically a national 501c3 group that has has an auction for um, generating funds. We've got... All these great wineries, great personalities, some experiences. It's at AckerWine.com, Acker Wine Auctions. And you can go on there and uh, find some cool stuff, uh, cool wine-related alcohol, I imagine. And know that your contributions are going to go help a small yay. So when you go back in the restaurants, when we reopen, we'll be stronger and, and uh, of course, uh, healthy. Uh, but we want those sommeliers because they're going to help guide you. I mean, you trust the chef, but the sommelier is going to help take care of you on the beverage side. And, and that also reminds me of bartenders. 
Bartenders, everyone thinks bartending is so glamorous. It is a fun job, and you know, you're always smiling because hospitality is about being fun, being uh, approachable, being friendly, being accommodating, being hospitable, and being cordial and courteous and compassionate and all that. Uh, and we've been out of practice. Our bartending friends, you know, actually they really work really hard. Because here's the deal: most bartenders get out of the the restaurant about two a.m. And then they have to, you know, then they're wired. So it's about 2 to 4 a.m. You go to bed about 4, and typically you're having a couple cocktails. <laughs> it's now 5 a.m., and you want to get, say, seven hours sleep. That gets you up at noon. You get up at noon, and then what do you do? Well, you're like, ah, got to read the paper. It's already noon, and you got to go work at 4. You work, for, you know, basically it's a 10-hour shift or whatever when you're in the bartending, and um, it's hard work. So when you think about these menial jobs a lot of people think of oh yeah he's just a waiter oh he's just a she's just a hostess these are people that are there to take care of people they are first responders in in everyday life about you know what i want someone to cook a good meal i want someone to make me a nice cocktail i want someone to make me feel important feel special feel at ease feel welcome feel friendly just to be doted on i mean this is we're human we are social creatures and as a person who deals with the public, it's important to recognize that, hey, these people that are working, and you know what? First of all, not all of them are good. With the expansion of all the restaurants, there's been a lot of kids getting in there, and they don't know anything, and I hate that. But as a server or as a uh, patron, you know, it's take the time to say, you know what? Hey, you're new at this. I get it. Here's what I like to see. And, you know, they might tell you to go screw off, and then you can just walk out, but... A lot of times they would like to learn, and a lot of people listen. So that being said, I want to talk about some of the finest restaurants here and the finest people. And when I talk about chefs, I'm talking about the hardest working, most passionate, diligent, uh, organized, crazy people in a good way uh, in the life. So here are the, the new 2020 James Beard semifinalists here. First of all, best new restaurant, Il Nido. That's Mike Easton's uh, Fresh Pasta Restaurant at the old Alki Homestead right there in my hometown of West Seattle. And I uh, uh, can't wait to go there. I still haven't had dine there. Outstanding Baker is Matt Tinder of the Saboteur Bakery in Bremerton. Outstanding Chef, Holly Smith, Cafe Wainita. I like Holly. The only time I've had is several great meals there, but I've also had one terrible one. And so no one's perfect. Um, but it's good to see that Holly got another mention, which means gives me hope. Outstanding hospitality. Go figure. It's Canlis. Of course it is. The Canlis family has been doing that uh, the most superior way uh, here in the Pacific Northwest for a long, long time. Outstanding wine program is Lorsan. Uh, I celebrated a fantastic birthday uh, for a special person at Lorsan. The wine list is really cool, off the beaten track, but to see them as an outstanding wine program is very exciting because they are picking wines that are are pretty much overlooked and, and uh, kind of non-included uh, non in the most lists. Uh, outstanding wine and spirits, beer producer, Steve Luke, Cloudburst Brewing, Rising Star Chef of the Year, Liz Kenyon from Rupi Bar, and Shota Nakajima from Adana. Uh, Shota is a really cool cat, makes great food. I haven't had Liz's yet, but I can't wait. Best Chef, Pacific Northwest, Pacific, Alaska, Hawaii, Oregon, Washington. Uh, Shara Amlag from Hood Famous Cafe and Bar. I think that's over... Uh, in in uh, Pioneer Square, Jay Blackington, Hogstone's Wood Oven on Orcas Island, Sun Hong by Tay is uh, Sun Hong is the best chef. By Tay is the restaurant. It's at in Chinatown. Mitch Mayers from Sawyer, he's a rock star. He won Koshan Five 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 a while back. Uh, Aaron Versosa from Archipelago, 
Um, or archipelago, yeah, archipelago. Uh, that is a uh, Filipino restaurant. And then uh, Chad White from Zona Blanca in Spokane. And, of course, Rachel Yang and Sif Chichirchi from Jewel. Good folks, good people, hardworking. They miss you. Let's go celebrate these restaurants uh, when we have a chance to go out and spend some of the money we don't have. But remember, life is always better in a restaurant, dining out, and with a designated driver. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you again next week, and cheers.